You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, I'm Keith Arthur and welcome to the Strange Boat Podcast. Joining me on the flybridge, see what I did there, is the first genuine Hall of Famer we've ever had on board. In fact, Charles Jardine is the first ever living Englishman to be inducted to the Fly Fishing Hall of Fame, so I'm doubly honoured. Charles, welcome aboard. Keith, it's a joy, absolute joy. Um, It's been too long, my friend. It's been a long time since we've yeah. been together, and it's a long time since I've even seen you. And although yeah. nobody else can see us and see that we can see each other, we can. I think we should be grateful for small mercies, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, now, let, let's forget the technicalities of chronology for a minute and start with the Hall of Fame. Oh, Tell Lord. me what that's all about. I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, I do. I mean, of course I do. Um, but no one was... I cried. I, I genuinely cried, emotional tears. Um, you know, it's a bit like that sort of Hollywood. And I, I used to think it was always put on and um, scripted. Oh, well, cry now, we'll sniff an onion and boom, <laughs> burst into tears. But believe you me, when you get somebody honouring you in that way, it is an incredibly emotional moment. And... When you sort of look at the people that they'd honoured before and you think, oh, what the hell am I doing here? This, I'm not worthy of any of this. I'm really not. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was, I got a call. I got a phone call from somebody that just sort of hinted it might happen. Then I got a, a, a call from um, upstate New York um, to confirm. And um, could I attend a do in the Catskills, they've got a wonderful museum there that's almost a, it, it's, it's very hard, it, it is a museum, but it's more than that, it's, it's, a, it's an establishment that is the very crucible of American fly fishing, it's, they've got everyone there from uh, George LeBranch through to um, the Wolf and all the rest of it, and it, it, it was a very historic and 
as I said, emotional moment. And, you know, to, but <laughs> you'll love this, Keith. You, in typical, rather typical fashion, no one bothered to tell me what was involved. No one told me about the 40-minute speech I had to make, all right, in front of an audience, live. Okay, no one mentioned this. Oh, and I hadn't scripted anything. I hadn't done, <laughs> done anything. So that was, I was sitting there. And you know, you know when you get those moments of acute agitation in your derriere, and you think, <laughs> how am I going to do And because people were going on, and I was going to be the last one I thought crikey you know how do I how do I do this so I, I managed it and everyone loved it and actually I talked about being a little boy and being a cowboy and looking at the west thinking all the streams were full of trout <laughs> and I really did I grew up in the 50s as I think we both did think you know rawhide and and all those other wonderful westerns that we used to see in black and white and i thought the streams i didn't know there was some sort of fetid brook at the back of hollywood but um <laughs> i i thought they were all full of trout and i always wanted to go there so i made it my ambition to go to america and that's really how it started but yes it was a bit of a a, a squiggly moment shall we say well, you, um, you've already mentioned Lee Wolf, and, and of course, he's, 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 Joan is in there as well. But yeah. uh, a, another name that many fly anglers, especially those that have ever looked anywhere like anything like fly fishing in America, will recognise the name Lefty Cray. But also, you mentioned Hollywood and, and Robert Redford. I know. Is an I mean, and Hoagie Comark. Hoagie Carmichael. Well, so it could have been probably, worse because they could have made you sing. Well, no. Oh, thank God. I mean,. Um, Hoagie Carmichael, I think it could have been Hoagie Carmichael Jr. I still don't know because his, I know his son quite well, Hoagie Jr. And he is the finest rod builder of, of split cane rods probably in the world today. Really? Um, oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And still working in New York. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I fished with him a couple of times, oh, many years ago, Keith. But... Um, a wonderfully erudite man. He really was. I, it, it's just incredible. But yeah, it, they're all there. But I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think that I will. That's the closest I shall ever get to Robert Redford, <laughs> both <laughs> in looks or in infamy. Uh, there we are. I, I'll, yeah, I'm fish on a wall. Next, I'll fish next to Paul Newman. So. Oh, that's an accolade. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey. My, old, my old captain in, um, in Key West in Florida. Um, well, used to you take know him what? Out. We we could have been and Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid there jumped off go. that cliff, but with rods, there we would have done go. it with fly rod, with well any kind of rod really. <laughs> now, obviously, it was a long and winding path to, to get to the uh, fly fishing hall of fame, and and I'm not talking about your marathon running yet either. By the <laughs> way, so, so, so where did all this the, the fishing begin? I mean, you you've got an angling name, haven't you? You've got a name that's already yeah. in the annals of angling history. It's a funny old thing, isn't it? I skipped a couple of generations, I think, but, you know, um, relation devised all sorts of rather lugubrious items to catch pike. Um, I think they call them fast hooking rigs now. Um, yeah, back in no. the day, you used to call them snap tackle. Snap tackles, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and spiral leads. And you know what? Still a cunning idea, because you used to have this little groove down the hole of the lead. You could easily do it with tungsten or anything else. 
and you had a little squiggly bit of, of wire coming out the other end and you just used to bend them, they're anti-kink leads, and he devised that. So, it, 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 yes, so that's where the Jardine fishing thing started. And then Dad carried on. And it was, yeah, it was, it was strange growing up in this backdrop and I, I can't imagine what Father would have done to me had I played golf or something. I really don't, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't be here today, that's for sure. But no, I mean, he was, you know, he was kind enough. And I think both of us are in agreement here that um, fathers will, you know, at the parental group don't take their kids fishing enough. But my dad took me fishing and that's, that, that you know, stoked the, the fire, really. And it's never dimmed, actually. It's never gone out at all. Not in all those years. It's strange because you'll you'll be aware, as I am, that there seems to be a parental generation missing from yes. people being in, introduced to angling. I think it's back now, uh, but I think it disappeared, and I think it disappeared with Sunday trading, which I think did so much bad stuff for so many different sports. But it, it was that bit. I mean, there was there was a perfect storm. There was the there was the the introduction of Sunday trading. There was the abolition of the closed season, and there was the massive um, increase in the number of predatory birds on our waterways. And I think they all combined in in a perfect storm to stop people fishing quite so much. Yeah, I, it's funny you said that because I was going to mention about the the closure of the co- closed season or the, the the doing away with the closed season because yeah. I think. That did more damage for angling in this country than almost anything. And I know that's that's probably going to be viewed by any the person that listens to this um, is going to be viewed with being contentious. But I I don't know what you think. But I, you know, it was all of a sudden there was nothing to look forward to anymore. Yep, and and there was nothing to encourage people to go fly fishing in the forbidden three months uh, nothing absolutely. nothing to encourage people to go sea fishing in the forbidden three months because they could go not to a lovely pristine river that we were all used to which were by then had been invaded a bit by cormorants but they mm. were encouraged to go to the newly made commercial fisheries that came yeah. around at roughly the same time yeah. which meant they all had carp in so everybody started carp fishing and by the time that three months of the close season was over, everybody had tackled to catch carp that was no good for catching dace. And, and you know, I mean, that's that's a bit, that's a very broad generalisation. Mm. But I'm there is some truth in. in but anyway, that's that's another story. Let's, happy it stuff. is really, but I think it's germane to where we are, both yeah, of us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. well, we can look back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so did you start i mean i think you you come from canterbury way don't you that yes of, i did um, yeah. i grew up in whitstable um mm. so it was all you know we had cod in our season yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and flounders I, I remember fishing in december and january for the flounders in whitstable harbour that was amazing they used to use cane carp rods can you believe that and, not cane um, yeah because i did the same and stuff and, and, and i used um sort of coarse rods, which were two-part cane and one-part fibreglass but by the time I was about Maybe. 12 or 13. But you left the top joint off because it was too bendy to cast out a weight. <laughs> so you just fish with the bottom two joints. But I did have, um, I, I was left 10 guineas in um, a, a great-grandparent's will to buy fishing tackle because um, the last food he ever ate, the last food he was able to eat, it didn't kill him, the last food he was able to eat was were 
was portions of pike that I'd caught from the North Met Pit at really? Chelly. Well, they were all killed and taken home in those days. Yeah. I'm, I'm going back now 70 years, over, over 60 years. And um, he could only eat fish. So I caught a pike about seven pounds, took it home, gave it to him, and he ate it. And, and at the ripe old age of 95, um, it wasn't a, a queen mother type bone. It was just natural causes. But he ate the pike, so he'd, he'd oh. added 10 guineas to his will for me to buy um, well, it, a... Some fishing tackle, so I bought a sharps. Well, I bought a sharps of Aberdeen seven foot split cane spinning rod, and an intrepid continental reel. Both for the wow. princely sum within the tenor. So that was yeah, that was. Well, big. I used to. I mean, I didn't didn't have that. I I had hand me downs, but there was right at the top of our stairs. It was it was like. It was almost like Narnia. You opened the door and you went into this place, and it was full of my father's fishing tackle. And I used to creep in there and rummage through it. And there's, you know, I can still see. <laughs> God, it's all coming back. Um, Dad used to spin. He was a salmon fisher. And I never quite forgave him for that. I hate the things. But um, it, he had golden sprats. You probably, I don't know if you ever came across them. Of course, in all jars. In, all in jars. Absolutely. Yeah, in jars. Hide, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... Yeah, it's like like Dr. Fives or Frankenstein's area, that, you know. Goodness only knows what would have happened if I spilt any of that. I probably killed the household. The last time I saw one of those, um, one of my friends who is a member of the Francis Francis Club down oh, where, yeah. close to where I live on the Tidal Thames, it's now, I don't know whether it's still existent because they were down to their last two or three members, but he took me piking into Teddington Weirpool mm. and he used golden sprats. Brilliant. And he he caught a big eel on one fishing about six feet off the bottom. So that was <laughs> an interesting day. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's the golden sprats. Yeah, but how would you how would you be a salmon angler in Whitstable? I, I can't. Well, Dad, well, imagine yeah, where your closest one closest salmon. Well, Dad was. used to go up. He used to fish Norway. Um, he used to right. fish the Spey. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, this paints me in a certain light, doesn't it? But you know, it was an era of the sporting person, and Dad came from a family that had earned a bit of money through catering and so forth in the city. And he was an artist. He was a black sheep of the family very much. But he'd always, his first love was fishing. And he, he would go out and, I mean, he, he used to paint pictures. And it's in many ways life's come full circle, Keith, because here I am speaking to you at the bottom of the River Usk um, in Wales. Um, oh. And so we mo I moved to Newport yesterday um, in Wales. And it's really where I started. My earliest recollections were Dad fishing for the salmon in, in fishing for trout in March because of the March brown. And then fishing for salmon in, in, at the end of the season in September. And mm -hmm. um, he had a studio in Brecon. And we used to decamp there and then come back to Whitstable during the summer and during the winter months. And believe me, everyone complains about the cold nowadays. Oh, God, that northeasterly coming in from Siberia along the Thames estuary. You all know what I mean. It was oh, cold then. It, 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 I remember the sea freezing, for goodness sake. That's how cold it was. 
that was that winter of 62, 63. Yeah, that was, really that was. was a cold yeah. winter. You could, but we're you, talking I, I, about the past. We mustn't talk yeah. about the past. No, well, well, we have to a little bit because we've got to well, establish... We, we, we've already got you in the Hall of Fame. We, we're trying to establish your credentials a little bit. Oh, so, well, <laughs> I fish a bit. <laughs> so, so what? So fly fishing was inherited from your dad, so you didn't... Yes, it think, was. I mean, you, you, I loved You didn't it. go into those lovely drains and sewers. Yeah, and no, the, I fished in, no, I fished all throughout sea salter for eels and rod. The rud were amazing. Um, Never did catch the tench. Um, For tench, we used to have to get... Well, didn't have to. We went to a beautiful lake. And you know there's always those odd little lakes that you want to go and revisit that that just haunt the mine, Keith. They really do. And mine is Eastwell Park just outside of Ashford. Mm. And it was one of those classic... There were cedar trees around it. Um, great clumps of lilies everywhere, and you'd and the fit this tench just used to fizz like crazy. I mean, it was like throwing buckets of alka seltzer in the in the water. It was just incredible, and the, you'd see this these chains coming towards the float, and you'd think, oh, it's got to be, it's got to be, and then it never was. I don't know how they avoided it. But, you know, bread flake, lobworm, the usual thing. And I remember having my first ever heron bite alarm there. Never could figure the damn thing out. I never could. I never could get it to work quite right. So how Dick Walker did it, I don't know. But well, uh, I, I just wanted to look at my float. Yeah, well... I've never, never had an electronic bite alarm, I don't think. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a different. But you 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 took the fly fishing poles, and of course, I, well, I don't know yeah. if it's still the same, but certainly upstream of Canterbury, well, probably upstream of of um, what's the name of the place I'm thinking of, where the sewage farm comes in. Um, oh, it's quite a lot. I took Fergal yeah. Sharky along that river a couple of the other year. You don't want to know how many sewage outfalls there no, no. is. <laughs> no, the, the big the big one, there was a big settlement bed down, and I, the name of it's just gone from my head. It happens when I've got these earphones on, it squeezes Clark's got a, information. Uh, up, no, well, up, well, upstream of there, just, uh, it's above um, above Westbeer, above Ford, Ford, um, Fordwich. Oh, I know Sturry. where you are. Sturry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Sturry. Yeah. And it was clear water and dace above the sewer outlet and, and brown water and, and roach and bream below the outlet, I remember. Yeah. I've got a good good story about that, but, but I, I won't relate I, it here. You know, we used to fish a lot um, for trout in that area mm. and um, around Tonford. And I, I think because it was so close, you could get down. And that's where I first started to get really intrigued about matching the hatch and, you know, really trying to copy what the fish were feeding on. So that, that's, that was another thing. It was just like this great big onion for me. You just keep taking off the layer and there's another little little slither of excitement just underneath the last layer you know it's fantastic and although it doesn't fantastic. it doesn't look it much at places like plucks gutter and and, um, and and grove ferry it's very much a chalk stream isn't it the, the, yeah above that Kentish yeah Cove. well it's it's green sand oddly enough um it's slightly chalk but it flows out, it starts off as green sand so it's rather oh. like the kennet in that respect um nice yeah, and but it doesn't diminish it in any way. No, no. But no. I used to go fishing with Paul Forward. I expect you've come across Paul. I have. Um, and Paul and I used to go trotting down at uh, Grove Ferry. We used to get there at first light and trot for roach amongst mm. the boats. And yeah. my goodness me, he's a good angler, is Paul. He really is. 
Yeah, they're very annoying, from... some of these people, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, but he grew up... I mean, he he was... He, not, I, I don't know if he's ever mentioned this, but he used to work in the coalface in Nottingham and uh, came out of that to be a builder and a very good one. But he learned all his craft from the Trentman. And so yeah. I couldn't have a better teacher. Really couldn't. You know, wire stem sticks and all the rest of it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But then you stuck at fly fishing and, and you, mm. you've been... Um, Many, many different companies have had the benefit of your experience and, and advice, haven't they? I know you... Yeah, I, I, can't, I hope. I can't think of them all, but certainly the greatest names in fly fishing, you've been part of their company, it seems, at one time yeah, or another. I, I have. Um, and, I, you know, I look back and I think, well, does one make a difference as somebody that is on the books? And I'm not sure is the honest answer. I mean... The place where I felt most at home and always will and always, you know, shall, I guess, in many respects, was with Sage. Um, I was with them for years. And I mean, what I like to think, the, the first golden years, I mean, they're having a renaissance now. But, you know, on, on I've just, I was sent a, a catalogue image of us. And on part of that group of consultants, there was Lefty Cray, Dave Whitlock, who's just passed away. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Bob and Cassie, um, Cassie Beck, um, oh crikey, Jim Green, myself, a couple of others, um, uh, Flip Pallet, who you probably would have known in Florida, mm. and all these great, um, wonderful names, and it was just so exciting, and a, a, and a young rod builder or rod designer called Jerry Seam, who I still think is is probably the fly rod designer guru of them all. I mean, he he just broke the mould with so many things. I mean, you had Loomis, you had Sage, but and you tended to veer between one of the two, but they were right at the top of the game. They really were. And it was exciting. But now, Keith, quite honestly, I, I, I'm not going to go down the route of being in part of one company because no one company, and you'll know this, no one company makes a whole range of brilliant items. So it's much better not to be aligned to anybody and, and just enjoy, you know, I've had, a, I've got a couple of rods I've just got recently from Scandinavia that have been designed for um, basically tight line nymphing, but I use them slightly differently and they are extraordinary. They're so beautifully conceived and designed and manufactured that they, they leave little margin for error for anything else. And I would want to use that if I was aligned to a company that was probably opposite them. So not being part of a company allows you that wits, I think, which I'm enjoying. I'm thoroughly enjoying. When you think of the um, styles of... um... I mean, some are fashions, some are styles that will last and live forever. You think of some of the changes, even while I've only been fly fishing really since 1992. Um, when I was working for Diver, I thought it was very remiss of me trying to sell fly. Well, that's when we when first I, met, if exactly, you remember. Exactly, when I knew absolutely nothing about it. So I picked up a fly rod, um, 
walked into Walkers of Trail one day and said, oh, I've started fly fishing. And Johnny Rolfe, who he went to the Trentman, <laughs> yeah. he was one of the great Trentmen, took yeah. me outside, said, come outside, I'll show you how to cast. And I went on to um, Walker's casting pool, which was a bit like a liquid stair runner. It mm. was about a metre mm. wide mm. and 20 mm. metres long. And he, he started the four, back one, two, forward one, two, back one, two, forward one, two. And then I, I, I've had bits of advice off people like yourself, off Pete Cockwell. Various people have said to me, you know, try this what i like about i love about dealing with people like like you and pete in particular is you never say don't do that you say do this and 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 or try this and there's a great deal of difference isn't there i think there is you know don't is a very harsh word um i say it to my labrador quite a lot i'm afraid (laughs) um but i don't say it to people um casting because everybody's different everybody's timing is different everyone's body shape is different and it is as much about rhythm and as anything else it's about working within oneself really um you can tell a lot actually it's a bit like a golf swing you can tell a lot about a person by the way they manipulate the fly rod or golf club i mean how smooth you i think the secret if there is a secret it's smoothness. It's timing and smoothness. Um, I'm giggling that, because I'll never forget a day you showed you demonstrated uh, exactly oh that to me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh dear. yeah. The, the day I'm talking, I think it was a charity day, uh, and we were on a lake, and, and these fish were not far out. They were about 18, 20 yards out, I suppose, and the wind was blowing into the bank where I was standing, and I was double hauling and hammering this thing out and as usual my fly line was going 20 yards but my fly was only going 15 Mm. and um Mm. you strolled up beside me and with i think probably a five or a six weight whereas i was using a seven you very simply with no double haul at all put your fly 25 and your fly line 20 and i thought how's he doing that it's a good day keith I couldn't do it now. I'm too well, old. Yeah, well, you, you you could and you did, and and that was the day that demonstrated to me that in fly fishing, anyway, effort doesn't necessarily equal reward. Experience equals reward. Well, now it's funny you should say that. I've been fishing with a little lad called Henry. Now Henry is twelve. He casts. He's one of the most beautiful casters I've ever seen. He can double haul. He can do all of these things. And we go out. I mean, I'm with his mum and his dad. Um, and out we go. And he is exceptional. And But what he's got, you you can adjust. And you can you can just suggest one or two things. Like he, if he's hauling, he always dips his head away. Uh, which is intriguing, you know, so dip away. And of course, that immediately alters the shape of your shoulder so you're dipping into it if you think about it if you make yeah. a forward stroke and you dip your head you're always going to be driving that rod away and down which is not what you want to be doing because you'll get a tailing loop so i can say right now just look where you're going just just have a look at the target just and i don't say any more than that and it just sorts and sorts this double haul out so it's these little tiny things that make huge differences that sort of Jimmy Jimmy Anderson's inswinger out as well. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, James Anderson used to always. He was always looking at his his right knee as the ball left his hand, and he adjusted that. 
and he was able to introduce um, that that cleverly disguised inswinger uh, that he can produce. Well, I tell you what, what what a bowler he's turned he's not, out. To. I mean, not bad, is he? <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, at his age too. I mean, yeah. to keep going at that speed, yeah, doing what he does. Um, oh, I, I, I'll tell you a day that that came to mind when I was I knew I was going to be speaking to you. Um, it was probably it was one of the last cold winters. I can't remember which one it was, but we'd been invited both of us to Hanningfield. For opening Ooh, day. That's going back a bit. And it is. And we shared a boat. And it was the coldest day. I can say this absolutely categorically. It was the coldest day on which I've ever cast a fly. It was bitterly cold. Um, a del- they came and did dropped some water in the reservoir for some reason and they tipped it down a slope and it froze on the slope as it went in. And as I was, as I was retrieving my team of flies, so the, the ice was crackling off the line and you insisted that it was a nymph and buzzer day. Really? Yeah, I and bet Mick, we didn't. Mick catch... Toomer had a four-inch-long orange thing and was empty in the reservoir. And Julian, yeah, we didn't Hubbard catch had... much. I don't no, no, suppose. we didn't catch anything. We caught ice. Oh right, okay, but we did we it stylishly. Ice. Yeah, we 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 look we look brilliant. We had this lovely a black yeah. buzzer on the end and a pheasant yeah. tail nymph somewhere else. We and, were in. And... Was that in that school bay thing? That corner. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, Mick Toomer's got a lot to answer for, frankly. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, he had this big orange thing on it. You could see from it looked like he was casting out someone's parrot. And yes. um, and and he caught um, he caught a couple of fish, and we didn't. Julian Hubbard had a ten pounder that day. I, I recall oh, as well, double fish yeah, from he, in, but in the bay. Julian is a very very good all round angler, isn't he? Mm. He, he is really yeah. is. He is. That was uh, that was a day, and and, and I know I. I a purist is the wrong word, but you do enjoy fishing with things that are more natural than the Queen Mother's hat, don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, I, 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 I do. Uh, that's not to say that I get sniffy about other things. I mean, I've got as many blobs as anybody else, frankly. Um, I, you Have know you what? ever tied one on? Have you yes. ever tied one oh, Yes, one. depressingly, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and what cured me, I, I looked after the England youth for a few years and... You know, I, I, all kind of niceties had to be thrown to the wall of convention. and Because at the end of the day, you've got 14 or so young people who want to win. And you try and work out strategies where, you, where it happens. And, you know, we never quite got there. You know, we moved up the scale from wooden spoon up to getting silvers. But we never quite got there. But had we not use blobs and all the rest of it in a competition environment we would have had a series of wooden spoons and that's the reality of it trout um seem to like this stuff um that's not to say that um i don't enjoy fishing crunches and other things and i i do but you know if it if it's about catching fish then and competitions generally are um invariably are then it's not much point going out there and being artistically a failure, really, is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> look, looking good with a dry fish bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've, we, we mentioned as re, with regard to coarse fishing, commercial fisheries, but nobody ever mm. called um, small water trout fisheries that, did they? But they, they are very much commercial fisheries, the put and take oh, type. Which, which absolutely. Absolutely. 
do you, do you do you get a buzz out of those or do you oh, prefer? Gosh, still. I mean, I you know what, Keith? I do not care what it is I'm fishing for anymore. I mean, I'm just grateful to be fishing, frankly. Um, you know, we were fishing. Um, well, we were fishing over at uh, Tim Small's place um, at Letchley the oh, other yeah. day. Um, oh, I saw you. Were, you. were you there with Pete Cockwell? I was. Yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw the photos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was brutally hard. I mean, Pete didn't even have a pull, I don't think. I managed one fish, and, you know, that was more by luck than design, I have to say. And um, But there was still that frisson of, of um, stalking and seeing big fish and all the rest of it. And if that leaves me, I, I will have to take up golf so far. And I'm approaching, worryingly, in a few weeks' time, I shall be 70. And oh, is that all? Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just a mere child. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm still loving every single yeah. moment. Yeah. I really do. It, it is, um, let's say it is a remarkable water, as you say, you can see yeah. the fish. And, and yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've been quite lucky there when I've been. I went there and did a, a, a film with Pete that neither of us really wanted to do. But when it was tight lines, like you have to just to try and demonstrate what you think people want to see. So we went mm. there and, and tried to catch something under a bung. Um, okay. which we, we did manage. Um, I, I've done a couple of films there and I've had my biggest ever rainbow from there, actually, after we'd finished filming. We went filming with oh, no. to, to, to give someone a go. Well, we went to give someone a go at trout fishing for them yeah. to catch fish and they caught fish. And I could see this fish rising, strangely enough, off. We fished in front of Tim's house. Yeah. And yeah. along those reeds to the far bank to the left, there were some fish rising. And when we stopped filming, it was Andy Story, who you'll remember, was producing. Mm. And I said, oh, can I have a go now? You've gone. And I cast over towards these reeds and somehow managed to get it there and had this. It wasn't the prettiest looking fish I ever caught because it was the same width from the head to the wrist of its tail. It yeah. was just a big chunk um, that I weighed. And, and Tim very kindly let me put it back because I didn't deserve it. And it was, you know, and it wasn't my well, film anyway. Know. But it was eighteen pounds ten ounces, which, is, which is quite a big one. Yeah, yeah I, that I, is quite a big one. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been quite lucky with big fish, and you know, I'm I'm lucky. I had a, a big one at um, at Diva that again I, I, I persuaded Stuart um, that I it asked him very nicely if I could put it back, and uh, because he was there when I hooked it and he was there when I landed it, we didn't take it out of the water. We left it in the, the landing net and put it back. It was a huge well, brown um, that was caught. Is those big fish, do they ever go back properly? Um, well, this one did because I, I caught it on a Tuesday and someone caught it on the Friday at £21. Well, that's six. good. Um, but I think... It gave, that gave you, them great pleasure. But but by the same token, Keith, you know how to handle fish. Yeah. You you, you it, know, you... It did you, come out of the water. You do understand about yeah. what what is required. So few people, even now, do. They really... They're just... You know, you see people squeezing grayling right where all the delicate muscles are and you get or organs are, and you say, oh, don't do that. That's a, you know, death grip right there. They but, battle them to the bitter end as well, which is um, yeah. They, they seem frightened to frightened to to pull the line a bit. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's uh, it, it is better Let's than not used to stray be. on. No, that. no, no. And of course, <laughs> in, in many fisheries, you're not allowed to put them back anyway. No. Um, well, is... Diva being one, Avington, yeah. I think. I don't know what the situation is there. Um, Rockbourne, um, Tim's place, you're not allowed to. No, 
because and it's understandable because you yeah. can get you can get on a show and you can rather than catch your limit you can catch and release and you know you've got a queue of people waiting to get into where the fish are and, mm. and you're hogging the places so I do understand it and and mm. and, and they they're bred to be eaten you know, yes. ultimately ultimately they're bred to be eaten they're bred as sport fish first and then then to be eaten but anyway that that's a different story I did also had a lovely day with you on a sensational bit of the um, test. Was it Bossington? Somewhere? Oh, Bossington, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very, very, very tricky. Um, we caught a couple, but it was a very, very tricky day. Um, mm. And I've, I've had a couple of days on the test since fly fishing, and I'm going to whisper this, I prefer to fish for the grayling. Yes, good man, so do we. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy catching the grayling. Some bits of the test are very nice, but some of them, they're, they're, they're like... Um, well, lech, over the last... Flow. Yeah, well, over the last few years, I've started to fish the River Froome a lot. And oh, yeah. um, that case is just... You you know, I know it's difficult for you to get away often, but if you ever do manage to get away, I'll take you to the Froome and show you how rivers used to be before the moan banks and all the rest of it, where you actually have to, you earn every single fish you catch. Really? Every single one, yeah. I love it. I absolutely adore the Froome. I fished, fished it in Wareham a couple of times for the roach, and I fished it once um, at Paddington. Oh, okay. Yeah, well... And, um, I was float that's... fishing there, and I hooked a big grayling, very big grayling, that suddenly got an awful lot heavier and I thought it had swum into a weed bed. So I was sort of pulling this weed bed towards me yeah. and I saw a grayling's head there yeah. and a grayling's tail there. Yeah. And I thought it was the weed bed in between, but it wasn't. It was the biggest pike I've ever seen in a river. Really? Oh yeah. Cause it was a substantial grayling and you can only see its head and its tail. The rest of it was across its jaws. Crikey. I wonder if it's still there. I was fascinating thing about Pallington it used to be a lovely trout fishery mm. um, the lakes were it's now Simon Gudgeon Sculpture Park oh, really? and yeah it's one of the one of the top attractions in Dorset you know in, in Dorset but it's mm. got this beautiful sculpture park running through it and I often wonder if the tench is still there yeah I, I, I went I it was when when it was Palatrax it belonged to Palatrax when I went there yeah. and uh, yeah. he just bought Simon the, yeah uh, Simon, Simon Pomeroy that's right. Yeah. He he just bought the stones weights out. That's so right. I opened I opened the piece that we were recording that said it's very handy when you can have your car park as a warehouse because it was a gravel. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gravel gravel car park. He didn't take too kindly to it, but he was he was okay. Smiled. You know. <laughs> we carried on. Um, now a pride of place on one of my walls, not in this room because this is the scruffy fishing tackle office type room, but in my my little sitting room that's over there, is um, a first edition print of my favourite fish painting of all time. And I've seen some fabulous fish paintings, but the one um, that you very kindly gave me when you came onto Tight Lines once, of the grayling. Oh, that one, yeah. The one with all yeah. the grayling artefacts around yes. the edges. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the floats and the hazelnuts <laughs> and bits Gosh, and pieces. You know, I don't, I'm not painting so much. I mean, a lovely thing, I've got here is I've got a north light um, room so I, I can get cracking again. But it's just been time, Keith. I mean, yeah. 
you know, doing the stuff for fishing for schools and all the rest of it, that, that really has sacked my time so much. And um, so there's an easel. I've just collected my drawing board, my easel and all the rest of it. And um, it, it, it's just, um, it's one of those things I've got to get back to because as you look back in life, you go, well, someone gave me the skill to be able to make marks on a piece of paper that actually kind of look like they're supposed to. And you, you blend colours. Sometimes you don't know how you do it, but you do it. Um, and people go, how do you do that? And then you say, I'm not sure, really. <laughs> um, and not not to utilise that 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 skill, um, if it is such a thing, um, is, is actually a little bit of a crime, I think. So I want to get cracking and do a bit more artwork in the next year or two, certainly next it year. Is, it is wonderful. It, it, it's, it's lovely stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a follower well, of David Miller on uh, Facebook as oh, well. Oh, David's a joy, isn't he? He's just it, a wonderful, wonderful human being and a great artist. But his birds... Have you seen his birds? Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've got a, a, the other thing I've got in a frame in that little room across the hall is um, a Christmas card of a pair of, I think maybe three, long-tailed tits. Yeah. Um, that was a Christmas card from you one year that uh, I've oh, also gosh. treasured and framed. Yeah. That's also in yeah. a bit of bird's eye maple. <laughs> but, but, you know, David's bird paintings are absolutely extraordinary. They're, they're beautiful. Oh, I mean, they're... His his fish paintings are sublime, but his bird paintings are quite quite breathtaking. They really are. He's a fine I, I, artist, you know, is David, and a, I, I, a lovely I can put human words being. Together, but yeah, he's he's a very, he's a very nice man. He likes cakes as well. Um, yes, yeah. Good job his <laughs> wife makes them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, he'd spend every penny on 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 his easel on on. Yeah. They've also written. How many books is it you've, you've produced now? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't think you would. I actually don't know. Um, no. I actually written, um, you know, from start to finish, not that many. Contributed, yes, but um, three, four, five, I think, probably, from start to finish. Um, but, um, yes, I'm about to embark on... I've been asked to do one for America and uh, so I've got to slot that in somewhere. I'm going to be like a bat. I'm going to be hanging upside down in this room and dusting myself down and coming down and just doing a bit and then going up and roosting. And uh, well, The, the uh, one book that I was commissioned to write, they said they wanted 20 chapters, 3,000 words in each chapter, and I wrote the last five chapters sitting by a swimming pool in Portugal in a day. Well, I needed oh, it. It, really? it needed to be done. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, once, give me a title and I'll give you 3,000 words on it because I know what 3,000 words looks like. Struggling mm. now for Angling Times because I only want 300 and 325 words and it's much more difficult it's when you're as verbose as I am to get it into... Yeah, it's a lot harder. People, yeah, it seems like you only just start and you put a full stop. Well, I think in many ways, you know, people scoff at Twitter and a few other things, but they do... Focus your mind into encapsulating everything in a very, very tight format, which is what journalism was. That's what it always exactly. was. Yeah, yeah, not filling up a whole page. No. Now, you, now you, you did um, just tap on very briefly 
um, fishing in schools. Yeah. And, and, and that's something um, that we both have in common. And I know you've been on the board of, of Get Ox on Fishing where I am now. Mm. And, and um, you set out with the Countryside Alliance to produce this, this wonderful um, facility that you do where you go into schools and get people fishing. Well, yeah, it's a bit more than that. And it's grown so much since we last chatted, actually. Um, and it, it's always been a mirror. It's been reflective of the world around it. And as we both know, that in recent times has played pretty large havoc of people of, shall we say, you know, less prosperous means than, than others. And fishing has always been that wonderful thing, Keith. You'll know it, and I, you know, we both have experienced it. That is that ability to take your mind off really not too nice things going on around in your world. And secondly, it's been, certainly in terms of coarse fishing and sea fishing, it's been very approachable, it's been very easy to get to. And I think more and more over the last few years, that's become equally well probably more important than it's ever done um and you know people bandied this word mental health about but it, there's nothing quite like a day's fishing just to rejuvenate the spirits is there really nope nothing at all um and that's all we do i mean but what i set out to do with fishing for schools and that hasn't changed at all was that it was slightly always going to be different to get hooked because why why change the mantra or why, you know, double up on something that's being done incredibly well? So what we've done is go into schools and help with the educational aspects of, of the school's needs or the requirements. So we take on kids who don't necessarily un, want to grasp the minutiae of learning and, and help them with that by using fishing and a broader sense of, we're doing a lot more river work. We're doing a lot more stuff, understanding bugs and the importance and the relationship, di da di da di da So it's a bit more than just going fishing. I mean, that is the, that is the cake, actually. That's the enticing cake to carry on the David Miller analogies. But, you know, that's the thing that we set up. But in essence, you know, it's just to enthuse young people in really what we were when we came into the sport learning about so much more than you learn in the classroom and that's we've just taken the classroom outside that's all but we're also working with mental health groups a lot more now and Mm. um so yeah it's changed like all things i mean it evolves changes it evolves yeah yeah we've got the local branch to me the local project is is just up the road in ealing and in, by North Holt, by Target Roundabout in North Holt. And, and I go there most weeks, most Thursdays, we have a group there from a, a pupil referral unit. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you see how those young people, and it's not, it's largely boys, but it's not always boys, mm. um, when you see how they respond to not only the fishing, but to volunteers like myself and, and, and our project manager, Carl, when you see how they respond to us and compare it, sadly, to how they respond to their teachers, mm. it's very different. But gradually, because we respond to their teachers as they should be responded to, 
it rubs off on them and and, yeah. and the amount of respect that it creates quite apart from the fact you know they can now know the difference between a wood pigeon and a ring neck parakeet um and and you know they know why white maggots they they, they have they know by, by fact that white maggots on our, our lakes catch more roach than red maggots do and ro red maggots catch more perch apart from things like that they're learning somehow to be in most cases not every case to be better people mm. and, and we mm. have a, we have a couple there on work experience we have a couple there that do two days a week they actually do their schoolwork in our classroom rather than at the school and have a teacher with them and and yeah. they sit down and do it and and that's to do with how they get they don't let their peers necessarily because the you know how it works in when they're in our classroom they don't get bullied but then the rest of their class come along, or the rest of the group in their class that come to us, come along in the afternoon, and they integrate better now mm. because they're all and part of this, this thing. It, it's amazing how, how it works on, on different relationships. It really and, and is very just often, incredible. Keith, I, I don't know if you found this, but it is the ones that are, you know, you mentioned that ugly word bully, and I hate it with a passion. Um, the idea of bullying is an abomination to me. But... You, you, you often get the people that don't shine in certain social circumstances within school, yet they have a, a way with them that catches fish. And all of a sudden, because they're doing something rather better than their peers, they start to ascend um, up, the, up the ladder and, and become almost a godlike creature out of the top. So I couldn't agree more. I really it, couldn't agree more. We see so it let's hear it for fishing, shall we? Yeah. Because it's a yeah. blooming wonderful thing. Yeah. It I, I really think, is. Yes, it is. I mean, it, it's, it's just a catalyst like so many other things are, but at least it's a constant, you know, and, and it's not mm. like football. You, you can't have a game of football on your own. You can't do many things on your own. But you can go fishing on your own. Well, I was an only child, and that's not, I'm not looking for any sympathy or anything else. I'm, in many ways, it was lucky. But I, I adored football, and I used to try and pass to myself. I got very quick. <laughs> <laughs> but I was rushing around. It's very difficult to play a sport that is a, um, a team sport on your own. It really is. But fishing, I could do. You'd have to bowl pretty, pretty slow leg breaks to toss one up and get the other end and whack it, wouldn't yes, you? Yes, there you go. Yes, <laughs> they were very high. Yeah. <laughs> Tuffle would have been very pleased. <laughs> Robin Marler specials. He used to bowl things called donkey drops when he played for Sussex, yes. I remember. That was a long time ago. And, and then, yeah, you, I don't know, if, have we mentioned running yet? You just mentioned running no. after football. But then no. you, you suddenly got this desire to start running. No, I didn't. I was putting... yards, is it? Yeah, I was... I was Put him for my first marathon. I didn't want to do it. I hate running. Um, I hate it running. Looked at my shape. Have you, have you ever seen that that lovely? Um, is it run? Uh, it's a Simon Pegg movie. Um, is it run? Fat boy run or something? Oh, like Forrest that. Gump. No, no, oh, no, no. Run Simon, Forrest run. No. no, it's Simon Pegg. Um, oh no. But anyway. Um, and he run the opening sequences. He's he he wants to do something and gets put into a marathon or something. He runs about 200 yards, gets all the gear, runs 200 yards and puffs his chest and, and, you know, thinks he's done it. And, you know, that was me. You know, I thought, oh, 
you know, and then I looked at 26 odd miles on the map and I thought, oh, this is, this is quite a long way actually. And, um, but I did it and um, <clears throat> it put me on the road to fitness and it really did. And I, I suddenly liked the idea of being fit and not smoking and not eating the wrong things and not drinking too much and doing all the things that I had been doing. And suddenly this whole new world and chapter opened up and it, it kind of finished this year because I did the marathon again um, against many people's judgment. But I said, look, I'm going to do one last shout. I'm going to do it. And I was doing so well up to mile 21. I was going to do probably my quickest marathon ever. It wasn't quick by anyone's standards, but it was going to be in around the sort of latter fours, um, fives, which for me is quite quick. And well, you're approaching to... your three score end, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I got to mile 21 and my uh, glucose level dropped to three. Um, I didn't feel very well, went to the loo, thought I can't be found in here, I've got to get out. <laughs> and, and then sort of managed to get back onto the course. And then next thing I knew, um, I thought, why are those policemen looking at me like that? And um, I thought, hang on a minute, why am I looking at those policemen like this? And I collapsed and I was force fed. This this is the good bit. I was force fed by the lovely St. John ambulance, chocolate digestive biscuits and chocolate twirls for about an hour and three quarters to get my blood sugar back up. I did... I did have the audacity to ask for a cup of tea in between. <laughs> and they did bring me one too. And they said, Right, we're gonna bring you the we're gonna bring you a um we're gonna call for the van to take you back to the finish line. I said, Excuse me? What? I don't think you understand the situation here. And they said, uh Ah, well, we were kind of joking. We didn't think you'd fall for that. You're going you're gonna to finish, aren't you? And I said, yes, I damn well am. And I didn't have a great time, but I finished. And they got me back on the course. I even heard from a lady who uh, gave me a little bit of... It was glucose <laughs> on, the, on, on the way around just after that. And uh, she sent me a message that I hope I hope I finished. And it was a very life-affirming moment to cross that line but I won't be doing another. However, however, I am going to do, because you know I do it, you know, all for raising money, fishing for schools, and I, I do it yes. for anyone. Anything that was angling related, I'd do it for. But there's a great one, Keith, and I'm going to be doing it in July in Colorado. It's at altitude, to be fair, but it's a trail run, and it's a half a marathon. Don't tell Karen, because I've said it's, it's only a five-mile one. But actually, it's not. It's 13. I'm, I'm whispering this in Kate because she's only upstairs. Um, but um, yeah, so it's a half. Um, but I get to fish all the way around. Oh, that's and not bad, that, is it? That counts. Yeah. So the more fish you catch, the better it is. 13 yeah. miles and catching fish. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was just had to be done. It had to be. It's just the fact that it's going to be about a mile high that is, and plus, yeah. that's that's you know, it's a bit thin up there. Yes, but, it is. I should imagine yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll I'll do some acclimatization. I'll do it. I'll get it done. 
So, so that's next on the running agenda. Yeah. What, have, have you got anything? You looking forward to anything on the um, the fishing agenda? Have you got anything? Oh you've gosh, not I've done got or you want to? No, know? I've got so much to look forward to. I've got the ask, because um, I've dropped into fly fishing heaven here. There's a couple of lovely little reservoirs just down the road from me, twenty minutes that are full of lovely trout. Um, open year round. Um, just reopened. And um, Innisfrau, I think they're called, but I'm I'm going to be picked up on the on the um, on the uh, pronunciation. I'll get it right one of these days, and then I'm going to be fishing the Usk um, on the Gwent Water, and fishing the wonderful Taff, the River Taff, yeah, right through Ponty, um, and it's sort of the ultimate sort of silver ribbon through an industrial backdrop. It really it is an extraordinary river. If, even um, if you don't know, you'll know of Dave Lewis, and and of course yes, I know from, Dave. Yeah, he, well, he's, he's just up the road, isn't he? He's Cambrai. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, right. and and he regularly posts up pictures of him. Uh, I think he caught a salmon not too long ago from the. Yeah, there are there are there are, there are silver um, silver vermin in that river. Yes, there are. <laughs> and some other fish as well. And some other fish yeah. too. But no, I'm really look. You know, it's such an exciting time in my life. Really, um, I've got grandchildren. I've got new rivers to play at. You know, it's great. Got some good sea fishing not too far away as well. You'll yeah, have to acquaint I, yourself I, with Andrew Allsop and and and, and uh, get out with him. He does. I'd love to do that, but I, there's a couple of people that are fishing for mullet with a fly around here, and yeah. they promised to take me out. And that that's been something that's been exciting too. So there's been yeah. oh Keith, you know I need another lifetime. We both do. We need to start again. <laughs> we need to sit down, share those cups of tea again. And I'm have sorry, yeah. I, I haven't sent you a tea bag in years. <laughs> I've got a I haven't. Well, I'm sure you have, but have you tried Dorset tea? No. Oh, All no, right, well, look in else. the mail. Look in the mail. There will be I'm, Dorset tea coming your way. I'm a bit into good. speciality coffee at the moment. So. Oh, that's bad. No. Yeah, I know. No, so, no, it's uh, Kent, not Jamaican, because I can't afford it. My, my current poison is, Ken, is Kenyan Blue Mountain. Oh, okay. Well, which is um, very nice. I'm sure it's lovely, but it isn't tea, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. It isn't tea. But it, <laughs> yes, and it would be lovely to see you and and, and have a chuck in. It, um, it would. Well, we'll make it happen. I'll find some water around you. We can. Well, what we'll have to do maybe is is rock up at Diva. Yes, let's meet at Diva and, see and the worry the heck boy. out of um, Cockwell because he, he yeah. you know, he's getting too relaxed actually. <laughs> It's getting too comfortable. <laughs> That'll be lovely. Well, the, the the time has flown by as it always does when I talk to you. One of the hardest things ever on tight lines when you're on was was getting oh, to the go get, get my, him off. You my, my forty my forty two second outro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was getting more and more difficult then. But we we managed it, and and I think I mean we've gone nowhere near full circle. We we've only started playing the game. We've only just got the first bit of charcoal on the page. So so maybe we'll do it again soon. And well, that would be um, nice. It'd be nice in situ. I don't know if you could do it in situ, but gosh, wouldn't that be fun at Divi? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, mate. Welcome to the land of the Red Dragon, where you know. Uh, yeah, thank you. Are now. No, I'm. You um, know, I'm. Yes, I'm very, very. This is a lovely time of my life. It really uh, is. I hope it gives you everything you want from it. And as I say, I do oh, look is. forward to seeing you again as soon as we possibly can get together. Absolutely. Goes right, go well. Go steady. My thanks to Charles Jiding for joining me on the Strange Boat podcast and thank you for listening. 
I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another crew, so if you haven't already, please like and subscribe, and you'll be sure not to miss the next ones. But for now, from me, Keith Arthur, it's cheers and tight lines. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.